Hello, welcome to today's episode on blockchain and financial inclusion. I am Arun Krishna Kumar from Rhetoric in London, and I have Effie with me. Hello, I'm Effie Pilarino, fintech and blockchain advisor out of Switzerland. I'd like to welcome our guest, Monique Moreau. I will only say that she's the co-founder of the Humanized Internet and involved in many other activities. And I'll let her speak from the place that she's at today as she moves around a lot. And <laughs> tell us first, Monique, about your activities. Thank you, uh, both Aaron and Effie. Um, I'm uh, Monique and uh, Moreau, and I'm a co-founder and president of the Humanized Internet. It's a Swiss-based uh, nonprofit. We are looking at several areas of problems that uh, need to be looked at. One is, uh, I'll put it in three areas, three buckets. One is the issue of how we define uh, sets of identity uh, to include the, the notion of e-sovereignty, or also looking at something that is very, very interesting in the terms of how do you uh, develop, if you will, this notion of an online um, trezor or if you want to call it a safety deposit uh, that is only owned you and your own family members. And it's not maintained by a central authority, which is a really, really difficult problem, right? So if you think about a treasury box or something, when you look at a bank where your documents are held, how do you manage that? Problems that we need to look at and the questions we need to ask as an industry is digital in terms of documentation good enough. And by the way, uh, these are sets of identities that you sh- you choose to share with whomever you want to share. So we're we're living in a very very interesting time. Whether or not the institutions that we know um, have weaknesses, maybe technology is a um, sort of an enabler in this area. And the reason why, to Effie, to your question, your last question, the reason why I'm in essence is because there is a meeting. There's going to be by the Mercator foundation um, which is one of the larger foundations here in in germany and basically that we look at the discussions around digital democ- uh, identity sovereignty and the future of democracy alexander von humboldt internet institute and society in berlin several other partners to include procebus by the way uh, one of the seven winners for 2018 digital identity and um, the future of democracy and whether or not you can deal with randomized voting and how how do you deal how do you address those particular issues so excited excited about the events particularly that will be in tomorrow because you're going to be meeting people, we're going to be meeting people, um, whether they're politicians, whether they're students, whether they're people who are looking at how do we solve for this future of democracy, particularly in Europe, because that's where we're dealing with is the European uh, geography, per se. Amazing, amazing. Uh, thank you, Monique. And, and for our listeners that don't know about Procevis, um, uh, which is based out of Switzerland and in a nutshell is a e-government if you like as a service and um, i'm not going to say much more and i'll give it over to arun uh, i know he he wants to ask a lot uh, from monique Monique, uh, thanks for the uh, energetic explanation of what you're doing. Uh, I see you wearing various hats. Um, I'm especially interested in your recent role at uh, Hikon. Um, so mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, let's set it back again. Hikon is a firm that um, I'm the senior advisor there. They are in the crypto, not only the cryptocurrency world, but they're also in the blockchain world. And that's more, more important. These are leaders in South Korea. Um, uh, Taewon Kim, who is the CEO, 
uh, is working with governments to actually sensitize governments and universities as to the importance of blockchain, not only uh, for the region, but also in Asia uh, particularly. So they um, have chosen, uh, which is fantastic, at least uh, two people who are senior advisors with them, um, one of uh, whom is based in Germany. His name is Dr. Philip Sadner, and he heads, he's with the uh, Frankfurt School of Events uh, and Management uh, Center there. And, and I'm the um, other person. So you see the, the closeness with which uh, the, the company wants to work at least between South Korea, very, very strong lead. And what they're doing, as I've seen a protocol, you know, a directed acrylic graph, they're looking at uh, issues around how do you solve for the short, um, for some of the, and we're working also with the inspector protocols, solve for some of the uh, short terms, uh, uh, sh- um, call it weaknesses uh, that you see in Bitcoin blockchain today. Um, and they are looking at um, really uh, uh, executing on that. And not only have they done their search, sets of research they already have gone on. They've gone on mainnet already. Uh, they a mainnet celebration, I think, this past June. They are club, at least a couple, a 100 to, to 200 people. I have had the pleasure to meet uh, at uh, INSO, uh, international group, applying it into philanthropy and charity. So I think this is a, a nice thing that you've so the social good, but it's not just uh, just art, articulating social good, it's really applying it. And so uh, the the thing that is important for me when I become a senior advisor, and whether Procivus or or uh, in in Switzerland or in Seoul with Hikon is that there are tenants have to align to because as you well know uh, reputations can be tainted very quickly and so the tenants for good are very important meeting the uh, leadership team is very important. Monique, uh, I know that you're very passionate about um, diversity and inclusion, and I'd like to ask you how that weaves into all the work that you're doing uh, in in blockchain, in identity, and all the other organizations that I see that you're involved in looking at um, sort of a more the future society? So a very good question, Effie. Um, diversity and inclusion are important, as you well know. Um, it's not just about um, gender, it's insets, it's different age groups, different ethnicities, etc. And if we don't reflect um, in chain space, we, we so often, if we don't reflect the that we're in, we are just echo chambers of ourselves. I think many people have heard about the um, the one event that occurred in, the, in North America in Miami, which was a blockchain conference. I think it was February um, timeframe. There were um, a couple of thousand people who had attended. Some of them were women. Uh, uh, and uh, one of the was noted, I believe, was that out of the, I may be incorrect here, but what, out of the 88 sessions, 85 were male. So I think the type of thing that we have to uh, be careful of, I, there are a lot of women in Investors. There are a lot of women leaders, a lot of people of different ages. There are a lot of people of different backgrounds and um, will be very, very, um, I think we should be sensitive of the fact that if you don't see organizations at their advisory boards, if you don't see organizations in their management team, where you this diversity of mindset and diversity of people does not exist, then it should be called out. There was a Medium article today um, which was shared on LinkedIn. Um, and it, it kind of named about 200 uh, uh, women thought leaders in the blockchain space. And it kind of said, if, if, if ever you want people in, in, in the blockchain space and you're looking for women, here you go. 
So don't complain that you don't see too many women in the space. Because I think 200 is nice, but I think there's more and more. Of course. If you ask some of your, our colleagues says, they will say, well, that may be a, actually the, from what I understand, there are probably a couple of thousand at least. That's just the tip of the iceberg. It's nice that um, people have, have called it out. And I, and I think you, you're going to see more and more of it um, in the future because, you know, there's, look, it's, it's an include, got room for every, uh, for inclusion overall. That I was in the blockchain, um, Partner Summit in Seoul this past July, and I was astounded to see that it was fairly, fairly balanced uh, panels and balanced uh, viewpoint, uh, balanced in terms of what you saw there was something that I had articulated in an interview uh, with High, uh, that Hikon had led. So, so certainly there is um, there's great opportunity to do better. That's just really my point. I, I think that we have to be a little sympathetic uh, to to the West at least where. Still, the corporate uh, structure and the high levels of the corporate la- ladder are dominated uh, by men, and and naturally, um, that cannot change uh, overnight. So, whether it's um, you know the the human resources or the capital resources in the West, at least, they're still managed the predominantly men. So, we see the same thing in uh, the blockchain world. I see it that way, and as you point in. In certain countries in Asia, it isn't like that, or even in the Middle East, uh, because it's just a different structure of the um, um, society. Monique, can we ask you, are you working uh, with um, emerging markets or are some of the projects? Right. So uh, one of the areas, uh, one when we call it emerging markets, uh, one area that uh, we our use case we're working on is the caregiver use case. We, we are an MIT Sol finalist. And so that's coming out of Jordan, really, to work with the Jordanians, not only UNHCR on the ground, but also the people in Jordan and also the refugees. I visited the I visited, um, Zatari camp in and Jordan. And um, the narrative here is around um, caregivers as a shortage. It's not just nurses, but caregivers. And so uh, one the person who's leading this project with whom we're working across organizationally is Dr. Francis Hughes, who is a Fulbright scholar. And Dr. Hughes is um, has worked three years in, in Geneva, and she's based in New Zealand. So uh, we have stated that there is this shortage. Um, there is also the narrative of how uh, how technology can be used to call for it, and how can we use, how can we work with refugees in addition to citizens who um, who are based in Jordan because there are eighteen percent unemployment. So that's a, a situation where we are working, and um, so that's on the that's more on the if you want to call it sort of the social good uh, component of it. Uh, certainly, in terms when you say emerging markets, I mean. It's uh, it's very open because the the cases that we're taught are are very um, very interesting. So credentialing here is going to be an example of how we use uh, blockchain uh, for papers for certificates. But if you're a refugee, what what you're most concerned about is will it be accepted by countries, be accepted by organizations, and that's why we're working with the international uh, caregiver uh, organization.
one question I have is you, you, you seem to be working a lot with the uh, United Nations and some of the uh, public uh, bodies that are uh, very focused on the social uh, impact uh, projects. So how much of uh, awareness is, is present in those uh, within those bodies and how, uh, how excited are they about this technology? The countries, the, the organizations are very much excited about block. Um, and this is what we're seeing. I think this is extremely important to note. There is an EU blockchain for social good competition that's coming up um, and all papers and everything in 2019. Um, so it doesn't, I mean, UN organizations are looking at blockchain for various use cases that, that we've seen, including UN women. So, and governments are have been actually adverti- uh, looking at that or exploring what blockchain can do for uh, its own uh for its own country. Let me give you an example specifically. I'm working with Dr. Philip Sandner on a uh, book um, where the question is asked, how can um, blockchain, how can it help the German economy? And so the chapter I'm going to be uh, uh, particularly uh, contributing to is, can the insurance industry be saved? So, you know, these are the types of things. And so when you go to governments, when you go to these types of organizations, et cetera, it's, it's, it's a nice starting point, but to your uh, probably what is implied here, how do you pivot to profit for profit entities? What will it do to uh, induce other industries and other verticals, especially when we're talking about the internet of things, you know, and supply chain and um, how do we deal with that, which is a big issue as we can, a major issue too, improving providence of what it is you buy and where where it's grown, etc. There's huge amount of opportunity here, components of it. My thing here uh, for, for you, Arun, and also Effie, is that that we're talking a lot about protocols, which is interesting. And for people outside of this is a key thing, right? I'm going to use the uh, very person on the street understands means to that person, right? What does it mean to your grandmother and so on and so forth without going down the path of explaining? Yes, um, of technology bolts. <laughs> you hit the nail, uh, Monique. Again, <laughs> I think that we talk between us as if we're talking to each other most of the time. And then a lot of the books that are coming out, I mean, they're necessary, but again, the kind of talking to those that are in the ecosystem or at least, you know, with uh, half their leg in the ecosystem, we need to talk to everybody. We need yeah. to talk to a broader base and, and bring everybody in to understand and we need to talk that language that you just said what's in it for me so to speak how will my life change how can I you know organize different is it about education is it about you know work is it about access to to whatever uh, it is uh, like you know we can easily explain the internet and then that it's more about access and connecting to others, that's kind of a simple explanation. But then there's all these other complex areas where the internet uh, has failed. And that's really what we are trying to do here. So we, we really need to, to work on this uh, um, a lot. And, and I think what you said resonates um, in terms of remembering that when we are doing uh, work in this space. Yeah, I would say, look, um, I mean, this is an opportunity for all of us because we've been in this space and we see the possibilities is to simplify the narrative. Yes, given the fact that we're and uh, it's nascent at the point in time, a, a lot of analogies to the beginning of the internet, I mean, the internet, uh, 
And when you look at the internet 30, 30 years ago, nobody ever talked about e-commerce at the time. Um, there was a pushback that, uh, you know, the post uh, company pushed out of business. And what we're looking at are alternatives. And, um, you know, there's, there's people will talk about, um, uh, you know, you, you've got Bitcoin, you've got cryptocurrency, you've got the, you've got blockchain, you've got asymmetric cryptography, you've got so many other uh, wonderful things or technologies. I'll forget the one thing that's very important, and that is the internet of money or value uh, that's come out of this. And, and, and we have to be able to speak cogently of it. And um, I think uh, this goes to another narrative. Is, and perhaps the thesis here is that uh, there's a concern that some 15-year-old child in some uh, can program value and assets. And that becomes a very interesting set of, uh, of theses and hypotheses and has implications to everything. And so you get into this decentralized, well, we know we have that existing between uh, peer and so on and so forth. And I'm personally very excited that in October, we're going to be celebrating 10 years of Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, they. And so they're, you know, everybody's preparing for that happy bee, uh, which, of course, uh, was work based on previous um, shoulders of giants, uh, you know, as we all well know uh, when we look at the history. It's really exciting. Uh, Monique, you, you touched upon a very interesting point there, which is uh, 15-year-olds actually creating um, uh, internet of value. Um, and um, one question there is, um, how soon should that be regulated? Uh, we, we, don't, we don't want to regulate it too soon because you want innovation to thrive, but you don't want to leave it as is for too long either because greed kicks in. And we're already seeing that. So you have to, um, and Effie knows this because um, of our uh, our relationship with the University of Nicosia, which is a great university, by the way. If you, I'm in the midst of, I'm at the end of master's degree of some, the, the master's degree in digital currency. One of the pro, one of the areas here is around law, and you don't want this to be, um, you don't want to overregulate, uh, and that would because that will, um, you don't know what it is you're regulating, right? Because you have to actually work with the uh, regulators. And so you're going to have technologists, you have this intersectionality between technology, econ- economics, and, and um, you know, what needs to, what needs to be, uh, uh, where the protection and jurisdictional reach uh, is. One of the actual facts here is that 81%, maybe that's just the tip of the iceberg of ICOs or, inter, you know, um, initial coin offerings are scams. And that what happens here is when you have that scam behavior, then you have to, where does protection to the end consumer uh where is that protection? And with it goes to what Effie was talking about earlier, we all of us, is around education. So reg tech sandboxes help. <laughs> and I think it really does. And it takes, you know, taking people along the journey really does. The worst thing you can do, and I'm, I'm of course, we, you know, live in neutral countries, is to sell uh, um, a financial, a very established financial institution, they're not going to exist anymore. And it was like saying uh, years ago that voice would be free to somebody where he, his or her cash cow was voice, right? Now that came out later when you looked at Skype and Google Hangout and so on and so forth. But you have to take uh, these institutions along because they uh, will lash out with alcohol and, and, and maybe uh, we, we won't like what we see. Yes, Monique, I, I think that we want to ask you a couple of more um, personal questions uh, to, to end our podcast uh, today. So are you up for it? 
Go for it. I think this is the... Yeah, well, it's first of all, not a question. It seems to me, even through a podcast, which doesn't have the visual, um, that your passion and your excitement does come through and that you're uh, like a kid in a playground, completely immersed and present in what you're doing in this uh, big journey. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's passion. And I think that, you know, this is lifelong learning. Uh, and uh, what I love about this is that uh, technology has no agency and it has no age limit. Yeah, it's so true. So how is your uh, frequent flyer mileage account doing uh, this year? Pretty good. I'm, uh, I-, I would say, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. This is how you see the world. Uh, and little did I know blockchain would be sort of the... the, the the catalyst to that but it, I'm, I'm flying quite quite frequently uh, i'm going on vacation by the way i'm going to patmos which is uh, in oh, greece you know okay. and uh, then after that i'm i'm big whirlwind of travel so that takes me to southern california travel will take me to uh, portugal web summit uh, travel will take me to uh, decentral to decentralized Athens. so it's just the beginning and i just to, to let you know it's really passionate I, am i correct to assume that you and me are not running in the, the marathon in athens just before the decentral conference i'm not gonna be running <laughs> i mean i'll be i'll probably be there in spirit <laughs> but i think wonderful that greece is host i mean that um, you know nicosia is host it's chosen athens and uh so much is happening in Greece, and it's great. Yeah, and and by the way, Athens is actually the uh, European city for for books this uh, year. There'll be an official launch in October. So, on that Super. note, uh, any exciting book that you'd like to share with us that you you're reading or you read uh, recently? Well, um, I've, I'm in the process of writing one called The Humanized Internet. Oh. Um, yeah. I'm actually, so that will be due for publication and probably the first quarter of next year. Look, this is, this is different than, than the one that you're co-authoring with Philip Sanders? Or? Yes. Yeah. So the Philip is a chapter a contribution here is a, a three main writers with uh, four contri- contributors, I believe. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one side, but there's, there's several books. I think the, the book called The Seventh Sense, which was published uh, a couple of years ago, is uh, one I'm rereading. Um, because uh, there you're getting into, uh, it's amazing when you go back to it's this, this intersectionality between uh, politics and economics and uh, asking questions about whether or not the, that which we know has, as, uh, as institutions have um, uh, weaknesses and holes and, and what will come out of it the network effect, etc. So it's worth a read, and I'm rereading it. Thank you so much, Monique, and good luck on, on writing your book. We're all looking forward to reading that. And Thank you so much. Thanks for making time, Monique. I have uh, <laughs> a mixture of crazily busy schedule. Thank you, and pleasure and honor to, to be on this podcast with you, and uh, thank you again for your flexibility and time. 